And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast, although it has a different format now. I think we'll you're going to like it. I think we'll get used to it and it's going to continue to evolve. Aaron Portsign with you here on a what is this Monday afternoon? We're waiting on some roster news. I see no proof yet that Emil Bemstrom has been claimed, so perhaps he is cleared and on his way to to Cleveland or at least assigned there. Um, and the Blue Jackets have yet another few hours yet to uh, get their roster done, to get down to 23. But I'm not sure there's much drama left on that front. Yuna uh, Luoto is here. I'm not sure if he goes on IR or if he is just sent uh, to Cleveland. David Yerchek looked like there was some news in a meeting on that front today. Uh, he, of course, can, can go to Cleveland without waivers. He can also go back to the Czech Republic. So looking for specifics there. And, and clearly Corpus Salo is not ready to play in an NHL game. So he could easily go on IR. And right like that, you've got the roster down to 23. I can tell you Kent Johnson has made the team. I don't get the sense he's in the opening night lineup in Raleigh on Wednesday. Uh, but I don't think if he does sit, he's not going to sit for long. Uh, Brad Larson made that clear today. Um, judging by lines in practice today, they, they were on the ice rink at 11 o'clock this morning. Um, it looks like Foodie and Johnson are the extra forwards, and it looks like uh, Nick Blankenberg is the extra D. So that's uh, that's where it's at roster-wise. Marchenko does not make the team. Johnson does not make the lineup. Bemstrom hits waivers, probably the, the uh, biggest name. Uh, to get pushed out. And Brad Larson speaking today about Igor Chinikov and, and how he basically took Bemstrom's job. And that's what it is. It, that's how it works. And Bemstrom has been part of this team for three years. I think people are always kind of waiting for something more from Bemstrom. And you only get to do that so long before the 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 prospects and the depth chart kind of catches up to you. And Chinikov clearly passed him by in camp this year. I think you can say Johnson did as well. Now, if Bemstrom goes to Cleveland, there's no reason he can't be recalled uh, if he plays very well and they need uh, help up here on the wing. Um, But at this point, did not make the cut at the start of the season. So we can talk 
roster moves. We can talk uh, curious roster moves. We can talk about all the prospects that are now really pushing at the at the at the surface to get into the NHL. I think Cleveland's going to have a pretty good team this year. I'm, I'm interested to see what their lines and their pairs look like because I feel like that team uh, under Columbus's own Trent Vogelhuber is going to be really competitive for the first time in a few years up there in Cleveland. Um, your goalies, by the way, you, you probably know this if you're listening to this program. It is, it's going to be Merzlikens and Tarasov to start the season. Clearly Merzlikens the starter. Um, but the Blue Jackets have three and four to start the season and not an easy three and four. Um, it's at Raleigh on Wednesday. It's home to Tampa on Friday and then at St. Louis on Saturday. So some heavy hitters there. Uh, right out of the hop. I would suspect Tarasov plays in one of those games, but I, I can see that I could see it going that direction. I, actually, neither way would surprise me, but I, I would I would think Tarasov gets a game. You got to have a backup. You got to use your backup. Uh, we can talk Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Line and your expectations for those guys this season. I can tell you this, they're going to put on a show. Um, that is a dynamic Dynamic line with with those two guys on it. Boone Jenner's currently in the middle. Uh, they're going to be worth the price of admission this year. Um, also, for some of you wondering, Nick Felino put on waivers by Boston yesterday. I don't think this is a surprise for a guy making three point eight million. He did clear today, uh, confirmed now by Chris Johnston uh, that Emil Babstrom has cleared. So he will be assigned to Cleveland. We'll we'll see where that goes. Um, so yeah, let's let's uh, let's talk. The Blue Jackets have some new players this year, and we can talk about Gaudreau for sure, Goodbranson for sure, Olivier for sure. Any roster moves that surprised you? Your expectations for this season? And let's do this at the end of each of each comment or. Or um, if you're in the queue or if you just type in a message, we'll try to get as many as we can, get to as many as we can. At the end of your your comment, just give me a point total for where you think this club's going to going to end up this season. I'm very curious because I think I think this is a I think it's an interesting team, a very interesting team. Um, but I think if you look at the Metro, to me, I was just talking about this on the way home with my former colleague, Michael Ares. I see the Blue Jackets sort of in the same group as the Islanders and the Devils in that I'm not quite sure where those two teams are going to get to this year. I think they're both better than they played last year. I think the Blue Jackets are better uh, than they were last year, not because they didn't play well last year, but they just improved since last year. And I think either of any of those teams that I just mentioned, Islanders, Devils, Blue Jackets, could finish anywhere from seventh to third in the Metro. Uh, I think it's that wide open. And the question for me is, which of those veteran teams, Washington, Pittsburgh, do you think they're ready to take a step back? It's been predicted for a few years. They're getting older. No question about that. When do they start to back up a little bit? Or when do these this next level, this next tier down? start to catch them and can the blue jackets put themselves into that spot i think the blue jackets should hang around this season and be a threat to make the playoffs absolutely i'm not sure if they're there yet but i think they should pose that kind of threat um we did, did a little research with the help of the nhl it sure feels like a 19 point uh playoff and now yarmo kekalainen by the way has confirmed uh text message that he has cleared emil bemstrom so 
Um, we've said before, 19 points is a huge gap to clear, but it has been done before, and it's been done here in Columbus before. Between 1516 and 1617, the Blue Jackets improved by 32 points and went from a non-playoff team big time in 1516 to a playoff team in 1617. So it can be done. It has been done here. Um, it's not easy to do, uh, but I, I, it's not out of the question. I don't think what happened last year uh, or how far back they finished last year should be used as proof that they can't do it this year. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting season. Could be a very fun season as well. Um, let's get to your questions. I'm going to go to some. We've got a couple people in queue here. Um, we're going to get to those, and I'll try to go back and forth. In the past, I think I've struggled a little bit with this, but we'll go back and forth from questions in queue to text messages. Um, but if you want to join us and and uh, bring in here for a question, again, make sure you give me a point total uh, at the end of your comment or your question. Uh, let's go first to Jonathan R. He is standing in Keith. And go ahead. Hi, Aaron. How are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, I thought about so many things I wanted to ask you about, but I'm going to settle on, on this because I'm sure plenty of the other listeners are very opinionated on this topic as well. Mm-hmm. And that is, what is your take of Dom Lachuzan's model? of what the prediction is for the Blue Jackets, just because, I mean, I think that almost the entire fan base that saw it was universally against how low he was ranking us. Yeah. And I'm just curious if you agree and why you think, if you disagree, why you think the model isn't accurately portraying this group. Um, my, my assumption is I think it's not accounting for the youth and development of some of these guys that have a lot of talent. Um, I think, that's a big part of it for sure. Uh, because I, my expectation is point total is about 92 to 94. Would be okay. yes. Just knock on the door. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I, you know, when I read Dom, Dom's model, and I read it with great interest. Um, cause personally, I love, I love to hear the other side and we're, we've got a story that will be published tomorrow. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, how this season can go really well for the Blue Jackets, how it could fall apart. Um, and I'm, I'm almost when you're in this market, you're in the market of the team you're, you're talking about. It's almost interesting to hear that other side of it because you don't hear it presented um, very often. Um, and I, I get along very well and I'm fascinated by the analytics community. So I'm not one of those. I'm not one of I am old school, but I'm not one of those that's so old school to just dismiss all of it as bunk and balderdash. I think it's fascinating. But I think numbers fail to comprehend uh, human unpredictability. And I know that the the point of them is to minimize emotion of feeling and use hard evidence to look at how things may play out. But I don't think if you've been around Patrick Line, um, if you've witnessed him up close as a fan, you saw a much different player last year than you did the year before. And I think you're going to see a much different player this year than you did last year. I think you're going to see, I don't think we know who Cole Sillinger is yet. Uh, I don't think we know who Adam Boakfist is yet. I don't think we know what Boone Jenner may look like with Johnny Gaudreau to his left. 
Um, I just think there's so many human variables that sports, it, whenever you think you know something or you think that something can be predicted, and I think Don would acknowledge this too, sports has a athletics performance, any level of competition has a real way of humbling you and reminding you that what you think you know, you can't possibly know. I find Dom's work to be fascinating and it's interesting and it is consistent. It doesn't offend me. It, it doesn't because I'm not, I'm not allowed to be a fan of the Blue Jackets and I'm not a fan of the Blue Jackets. So I don't look at it and think, oh gosh, this is how it's going to go. Um, I just feel like there's, I feel like numbers can only measure so much about an athlete. Case in point, um, Emil Bemstrom. There were many in the in the stats community yesterday that were shocked that Bemstrom was put on waivers. And I think people who have watched the team closely uh, the last couple of years, but certainly in training camp, probably were not surprised that Bemstrom was put on waivers or did not make the cut. Um, he has struggled to play a, the full version of his own game. And I don't, I don't know why that is, but he has. And, you know, is he a great defensive player? Well, I, I don't know. The, I, I, th- I think he's fine. I think there's parts of his game that are solid. But he doesn't get the toughest checking assignments. He's not out late in games. So I'm not sure that he's really exposed to it the way some other guys are. Uh, I wasn't surprised at all that he went on waivers. So there's some things that that analytics miss that good old-fashioned uh, just watching with your eyes does catch. There's a lot of things that analytics picks up on that you can't pick up on just from from watching. And it's best to to take emotion and feel out of it in some cases as you can. Um, so that's what I'd say about his model. I thought it was an interesting read. I think they're better than that based upon what I've seen, what I think some individual performances this year can be. And, but one of us is going to be right. And one of us is going to be wrong. And that's the bet. That's the great thing about sports, the original reality TV, except it's real. You don't know what's going to happen. And that's what makes it fun. So I hope that answers your, your question, Jonathan. Um, I'm going to go now to Paul B. Paul, go ahead. You are on stage. Oh, 40. Yes, How's sir. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I didn't expect to get in so quickly. My goodness. We try. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, I don't necessarily kind of had a fun one because a lot of the questions that everyone's going to be asking are going to be answered in about a few hours. So we can all hypothesize about what's going to happen with sure. Jack, Kent Johnson and everybody unless they've already talked about that. But I was good. I had a little bit of fun. What I've been wanting to ask you because I was curious. Um, one of my favorite things when Torres was coaching were the pest conferences with you and him going back and forth with each other because he always uh, seemed to really love your questions. <laughs> well, not always. <laughs> well, that's the that's what I'm curious. I was yeah. wondering: A, are you excited to be able to ask him another question? And two, are you a little nervous about what he might say? Uh, about Torres? Yeah, are you are you going to be able to interview him or be in oh, a sure. conference? And yeah, are you so, a little nervous to ask him a question? No, no. So we've stayed <laughs> we've stayed in touch. Um, I mean, we're not talking weekly, but when something comes up that I think he would be interested in, you know, when he got the job, 
sent him a note and he responded. We, we got along fine. We had our moments as, and I have to tell you, this is typical with John Tortorella and beat writers. This, I think a lot of people have the idea, have the idea that it is just always contentious and that he, he completely dislikes them. It's not, it really isn't that way at all. Even with Brooksy in New York, um, he and Brooksy are very civil and can have a great conversation. Um, and, and John and I were mostly that way here where we could, there were times where he, you know, he, sometimes questions were so good or I don't, I don't mean my own questions. <laughs> I don't want to pat myself on the back like that, but a question, it's not that it's never the, it's never the question. It's the person asking the question. So if you've written something that day that he thought was unfair, it doesn't matter what the first question is. Uh, you're going to get an earful or you're going to get treated a certain way because he's that's he's venting. He's going to vent. Um, but we had some incredible I mean, people who who covered him here um, while he was here would tell you. And it's, again, same in other markets. Some of the best conversations you, you would have with him are when the cameras were not on no TV cameras around. And you would talk for 25, 30 minutes after a practice where he would hold court and you would get into some really interesting stuff about, I mean, Allison got going with him a few times on leadership, uh, which is fascinating. Um, coaching. He would show up at um, local practices for little kids. And if he saw a coach doing things that, that he loved, he would go talk to the coach and tell him he loved it. Um, it was just stuff like that where he, he was a really interesting guy. Um, but he, al- he always got his back up when he felt like he needed to defend his players. And and there are times where, you know, he's not going to like it. There are times where you have a question to ask. I think the saltiest we ever got was over Bobrovsky when he got suspended. And he tried to do the whole, yeah, this is what happened. He's not going to be with us, but we're not going to talk about it. And it was like, oh, God, this is going to suck. But this is the job. I have to find out what's up. Like, you know, somebody has to ask this question about Bobrovsky and, and it's kind of the responsibility. So let's go. And he got a little pushy back, but he, we got a, an incredible answer out of him. And the other thing about him, uh, just share two more things. I think he respected people who stood their ground and asked tough questions that were fair, but tough questions. And there were times where he would get, if I can say it shitty with a, with an answer, and minutes later, when the microphones were off and you're walking away, he he would curl around and say, why would you ask that? Like, where were you going with that? And then you explain, oh, no, here's what I meant and how he took it or how you interpret it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And most of the time you would end up, he would say, I got gotcha. you. OK, I totally misread that. I got gotcha. you. Thank you. And you'd be fine. And it just kind of went on with this. I I. I feel so fortunate to have coached him or to have covered him and Ken Hitchcock and Dave King and some of these legendary coaches through the years um, and really have learned a ton from those guys. Um, not about how to do the job, but just how to watch hockey and how to, to cover hockey. And we'll be always indebted to those guys and more, many, many more, Brad Larson included. So did I get a point total from you, Paul? <laughs> that was what do you mean point total? I must have missed the intro. Oh, yeah. So at the end of every comment, just how many points do you think the Blue Jackets are going to have this year? 91. 91. All right. 
All right, cool. Paul, thanks for the question. You got it. Appreciate it. Yep. Talk to you soon. All right. We're going to come back in a minute. Let me get to some questions on uh, some text questions here. Hey, Porty, this is from Finn M. Just saw Bemstrom cleared waivers. If he got called up but then sent down, does he have to clear every time he gets called up? Um, so here's the thing. If, if he So he's in Cleveland now or will be assigned there. The Blue Jackets can recall him, and he gets 10 games on his 10th game or his 30th day after he's recalled. Then he would need to clear waivers again. Um, so he, he can accumulate those on multiple call-ups as well. So that's how it would work. I, I suspect uh, we will see Emil Bemstrom again at some point if he goes there and handles it well, uh, which I, th- I think he should. Um, so we'll go through that math again there when it happens, but typically it's been 10 games in 30 days. Um, this question is from Ronald D. If all forwards stay healthy, how long do you keep Kent Johnson out of the top nine? He has to be one of the better playmakers on the team and a great asset to the power play. I will not disagree with that at all. Um, but I think, you know, I think maybe you keep an eye on Chinikov. And does Chinikov keep this going? Does he keep um, playing like he has? Because Chinikov is in with um, Roslovic and Voracek, and that could very easily be Nyquist. And wh- whoever's not on the second line will be on the third line with Sillinger and Danforth. So, you know, who does he supplant there is the question. I don't know if you remember – we wrote a thing over the summer about how they've got to move some forwards out of here. Well, then they added a forward, Johnny Gaudreau. Um, so, you know, the Texier staying put in Europe, while they could certainly use Alexander Texier, they had an abundance of wingers. And it's been hard to find a spot for these. Um, my thing is, and and I know everyone's excited to see Ken Johnson play in the National Hockey League, and, and I, I am too. I love elite playmakers. I don't think it's the end of the world if he has to go to Cleveland and play and and can be a special player down there. Um, and that, that would be that would be fine by me. That's something this organization's really never um, done with their prospects. They've kind of been right in pretty quickly. Um, maybe this this depth allows them to show a little bit of patience. Um, this is from Philip W. Hey, Porty, any insight into why specifically Marchenko was sent down? He seemed to be adjusting well and producing from what I saw. Just a numbers game and getting outproduced by Chinikov. Well, all good points. Uh, I think he could have made this team if he had performed a little better. I think he was fine in camp. Uh, they they are of the belief that he is still getting used to the smaller ice. Now, that that's a, kind of a curious thought because the team that he played for in Russia, SKA St. Petersburg, has smaller ice. But he also played a lot of games in the KHL on big guys. I think the the real adjustment, and you could see it from the minute the game started in Traverse City against St. Louis, the first one, where I think this game was a lot was the North American game was a lot more physical than Marchenko anticipated. And he does not shy away from contact at all. He's in the middle of middle of it all. So no worries in that respect. Um, but I just think it's getting used to the physical nature, the quick 
decision making that is required here. And it, it's it's about the approach, um, uh, the North American style of play, but it's also about the size of the rink. And so he, it's, it's an adjustment he has to make. He's got a great shot. You saw the power play goal he scored against Buffalo. My God, um, that's a hell of a shot. And and the skill is all there. He's going to be fine. I would love to know how he is handling being sent to Cleveland. Hope he handles it well. Sometimes guys really get frustrated and have their feelings hurt by that if they stayed behind in Russia to to develop there. So we'll see. To my knowledge, he's there. Practicing will be in the lineup on opening night. Um, but we've certainly not seen the last of Kirill Marchenko, and I still think he's going to be a hell of a player. Um, this question from Austin H., do you foresee any trades or big moves being done this year to speed up the rebuild? Yarmo is a busy bee. Surprised he hasn't made another big move lately. Uh, prediction of 90 points from Austin H. Um, you know what? I I don't. I think they're always listening. I think they always have their their um, their antenna up. You know, it, it, the rebuild use of the word rebuild there, restart whatever is important to keep that in mind. So. I think a trade early in this season, if there is one, is still a long-term projection type trade. In other words, a player who's young, uh, there would be team control, RFA status, or a a lengthy contract before you take that plunge. I, I don't rule that out, but to me that seems a bit unlikely. The thing that I would look for is around the trade deadline. Uh, and I think at the trade deadline, you allow yourself a more of a short-term thought if you have a shot at the playoffs. You're not moving a first-round draft pick. You're probably not trading a second-round draft pick. But you're, you're, I, think, I think the Blue Jackets would be in the market for a top-four defenseman with an expiring contract. If you think of some of the players that they've added, um, in recent years for playoff pushes, I could see that happening, especially if they're not completely enthralled with how their blue line is playing. And for the start of the season, it looks to be Wierenski and Bogfist, Gavrikov and Peak, and Bean Goodbranson with Blankenberg, the number seven. Um, obviously, that that is we should it can change. It probably will change numerous times throughout the season. So where does it sit near the trade deadline? And is that the move that they make there? Um, I don't think they get ahead of themselves. I don't think they feel like this is the year to go for it like it was in 2019. That's still a few years away. Um, It should be. But I do think they try to help this team if there's a playoff shot. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, okay, so the next question comes from Philip W. Looks like Johnson is stuck on the wing due to having Jenner in the middle on the top line, which I'm in favor of. But in lieu of moving Roslovic to the wing or injuries, I don't see how Johnson moves to the middle. Do you think this is a concern to management that would lead to a trade, or are they just okay with developing him on the wing? I think they are enamored with Kent Johnson, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, I think he can play on the wing. I don't think it's a big deal if he plays on the wing. I think he can move to center pretty effortlessly. We've seen that. Um, the, the challenge for him at center is winning faceoffs. And I, it's not the end of the world, but there is certainly a big advantage to starting with the puck. And th- that's something that, that's going to take time. I, you know, it, it's great to put him on the wing when whoever is the center gets tossed from the circle. Go in and take some look. Give him four or five faceoffs a game. Let him continually uh, get better at that aspect of the game. That's very much a strength and anticipation aspect of the game. He's got the anticipation. It's it's the rest of it that's got to come. Um, so I have no problem with him playing on the wing. I really don't. And if he ends up there for the rest of his career, I'm okay with that too. I think he is an elite-level playmaker. I love the fact that he's on a team with Johnny Gaudreau, um, who was essentially Kent Johnson 10 years ago. And, boy, Kent Johnson can learn a ton from Johnny Gaudreau. And you better believe that's going to happen. Uh, from Randy O, I hate looking back on the Bjorkstrand trade, but Bobby Mack, I assume you're referring to Bob McGilligan, said something during a preseason broadcast that surprised me in saying the Blue Jackets gave up on, not gave up on Bjorkstrand. Am I reading into that more than I should? Um, yeah, they didn't want to trade Oliver Bjorkstrand. I don't think they gave up on him. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was going to be traded no matter what, because they were giving up on him. Um, they had to move something of consequence. They had to move um, a player that other teams wanted with significant salary. And Seattle was not taking a guy with an expiring contract, uh, right? It's not easy to trade a, a, a Gus Nyquist right now, a UFA. Well, well no, uh, they, they don't want that. They want a player that they can have for a number of years. Bjorkstrand's a pretty impressive player. I think he's a second-line guy in the NHL. And the Blue Jackets didn't want to give him up, but they had to. So they felt like that was the best trade they could do, and they felt like waiting any longer than they did to make the trade was only going to get worse for them. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what I can say about that. John W., we'll do one more, one more text question, then we'll go back to the queue. Uh, so if you're waiting in the queue, hang with us. We'll be there in a second. Uh, John W. says, assuming Elvis rebounds and plays consistently well, and no major injuries with the rest. I believe that they make the playoffs 95-96. At some point, Pitt and Washington start to age and drop off. So that's more of a comment than a question from John W., but it, that's cool. It's all good. Um, let's see here. Ken. Uh, Don M. We'll go to Don M. Hey, Porty, will Johnny Hockey break the points in the season record for the Blue Jackets? And if so, could it happen this year? 
if I remember right, Brett had a season in the high 80s. Uh, and then Donham predicts that the Blue Jackets will have 98 points. Uh, could he break the single season record? Yes. Will he? I'm going to say yes. I think he is. And I think Patrick Laine might break the single season goal record as well. Um, his personal record is 44. Uh, Laine's is. Gaudreau, of course, had 115 points last year. I would take the under on that, but I still think he's going to break the all-time points record, which is, hold with me there if you would, um, let's see, I, I th- you know, there are times when you watch, you watch Line and Gaudreau play um, and just sort of communicate the same way. And my God, there are times where I look at Line and I think he is going to score 60 goals this year. Now, probably I'll take the under on 60, but I think he can be in the 40s. Um, it just it looks like that is a my word. Um, that is a a combination that's going to be really hard uh, to defend. And the um, you know it, it it'll be. I think they're going to stick together. That was the, sort of the first question at camp. Can they stick together? And, you know, um, I, I think Brad Larson's going to give them plenty of rope if they need any at all uh, to stick together. But the um, the early returns look like they can really communicate. The points record, by the way, is Artemi Panarin with 87 points in 2018-19. He had 28-59-87. So... I think Gaudreau could challenge that for sure. And again, the goal record, let me look here, is 41 by Cam Atkinson and Rick Nash. Atkinson in 2018-19 and Nash in 03-04. So, yeah, I I think both of those, I think that that's something to look for this year and what a change it's been um, to be able to have that kind of of production from a top line. All right, let's go, if you're good, with Matt C. Matt, go ahead. All right. Hey, Cordy, thanks for taking me. Um, And you kind of touched on this a little earlier with the analytics piece that Dom wrote. But um, there's a lot of Bemstrom fans that point to his analytics, about how he's a good defensive forward. Obviously, he's not passing the eye test because, you know, we were excited. He was a top scorer over in Europe, came over, hasn't lived up to expectations. Can kind of just expand on what goes into a decision on sending a player like that to the, uh, to the waivers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I think there's, you know, waivers now mean something can mean something totally different than they used to. Like the Boston Bruins yesterday put Nick Felino on waivers. And I, my sense of that situation is not that they were unloading Felino, but that they were putting him on waivers to be able to send him to the minors to get under the salary cap at the NHL level and make some further moves and then bring him back up. I think he's going to be a Bruin this year. I don't think anything's changed, but from their perspective, that is a safe contract to sort of dangle out there because you don't think people are going to grab it. I think there comes a point with blue jackets and waivers where you put a player on there because 
um, you feel like you've reached the end of the line with that player. And I'm not sure if Bemstrom is even that yet, to be honest with you. There's yet another type where he just isn't part of your team because he didn't deserve it with his training camp performance. And so you can't keep him around because you need the roster spot. And the only way you can get him off the roster is to clear him through waivers. And so you wait to the last minute. You wait till every other team's trying to get their house in order. So maybe they're less inclined to be adding. Maybe you can put him through waivers on a day where four other guys are exposed. And maybe a team that's looking for a forward will prefer that forward more than your guy. Um, A lot of it's rolling the dice, but some of it can also be strategized. And you'd like to keep the player, but you just can't justify keeping him at the NHL over a guy who deserves it. And I think that last one is more where the Blue Jackets were with Bemstrom. Um, So it, it can be used to manipulate salary cap numbers too temporarily. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, the Blue Jackets sent that this didn't require waivers, but they sent Alexander Wenberg to the minors. And it was like, whoa, what the hell's that about? This guy might be their number one or two center. But he had enough money where they could send him to the minors, not count that against the cap while roster's set. And then as soon as roster's set, one guy goes on injury and Wenberg comes back up because now you've got the space. So there's some manipulation that goes on there. So much of this is a money game, a shell game now. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, they have no issue. Brad Larson said it again today. No issue with how hard um, Emil Bebstrom works. He's not, it's not that he doesn't you know, work hard enough. It's not that he didn't have a good enough summer. He did. He just got squeezed out by Chinikov, by uh, Johnson. That's progress. That's, that's not a good thing for Emil Bemstrom, although it ultimately could be. But that's a good thing for the Blue Jackets uh, to have guys like that battling for spots. So, all right, and if I can get my points, oh, it does. And if I can get my point prediction, Johnny Hockey 10 game swing 101. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, let's go to thanks for the call here, by the way. Let's go to and John S says, How many goals will Line A score in Finland in November? Um, oh, so they've got two games in Finland. Um, I'll, I'll say two. I think he's going to score. I think he's got a flair for the dramatic. The last time he played in Finland, he was in Helsinki. This time they're going to start in Helsinki, but the games will be played in Tampere, which is a little bit West and quite a bit North of, of Helsinki. It is, it is, uh, Lainey's hometown. So that'll be kind of cool. And I'm curious how many people listening here, uh, are going to make the trip to Finland because one of the things that really surprised me pleasantly uh, last time was how many people, and this was 10 years ago, made the trip to Stockholm when the Blue Jackets played two games against the Sharks to start the season. Uh, and one thing, I, I think we were, well, when I say we, I mean me, I think I was still sort of getting used to social media and how to how to use this. So I don't, I don't think we did this, but we should definitely do a, a uh, meetup in Helsinki or in in uh, Tempera when the Blue Jackets are there, and maybe take over a a CD joint in in Finland and drink long drinks together all night. Uh, let me know if you're up for that. 
that could be a good time. Uh, wonderful country, wonderful people, by the way. If you're going, you're very fortunate because it's uh, you're going to have a blast. It's not like anything you've ever seen here. Uh, let's go to Ed N. What did the Blue Jackets do with David Yerichek? I haven't heard. Uh, well, Ed, nothing official yet. The sense is that he's going to Cleveland, although Czech Republic's still a possibility. Um, let me just type, let me reach out to a source here while we're talking and see if I can get an answer back. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he made the Blue Jackets. Pretty sure he did not make the Blue Jackets, uh, which, let's be honest, an 18 year old defenseman probably shouldn't make the NHL roster unless he's just clearly one of your top six. I think Yerichek got a lot better as camp went along, looked a lot more comfortable with the style. Um, but uh, that's a tall order for an 18-year-old. I like the idea, frankly, of keeping him nearby in Cleveland, keep an easy eye on him. He is an hour and a half away if you need him. And you know what? He's in the system. He's getting used to uh, two hours. What I, I speed a lot. Uh, two hours from Cleveland. He's in the system. He, your coaches have an eye on him every night. I just think there's so many benefits to that. Um, he was fielding phone calls in the in the hallway when I left the rink to come home in time for the podcast. So there's news on that front, but the club hasn't made anything official just yet. Um, but like these other guys we talked about, it's not going to be too long before you see David Yerchek in Columbus, and and he looks to be an impact player. Same with with uh, Denton Matichuk. He's going to be, oof, that kid's going to be a player. Um, and, you know, the, the Blue Jackets blue line is in a really interesting spot here because it is a question mark. I don't think I think that's only fair to say that that is maybe the question mark on this team uh, heading into this season. Maybe their Achilles heel if things don't go well. And, but there is help on the way. Corson Coolivans. Uh, he, he might take some time to develop at the pro level because of the way that he plays. But Juracek, Matichuk. Um, even Christensen, there are, there are, there's reinforcements coming, skilled reinforcements on the back end that they can mix and match some physical players with, with some of these young bright players. And they should have a really impressive D uh, here in a couple of years. They've invested a ton of money um, and a ton of draft picks in these young players. And so, you know, that's a, um, uh, you know that that you gotta wait for it. Uh, that's it. It's just it goes on its own. It goes on its own pace. Um, okay, this one is from Johnny H. Did you and Bobby Mack know that you're doing these at the same time? I did not. Um, <laughs> maybe we should coordinate a little bit better. Hope you're not divided by wanting to be in two two places. Uh, Samir says I'm in for Helsinki. Tampera catch-up during the European series. Hopefully many CBJ fans can make it. 2011 in Stockholm was great, but I guarantee you, you will like Finland more. Now, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And, well, it says greetings from Helsinki, but him saying that you're going to like Finland more than Stockholm, I was going to suggest that Samir is, in fact, a Finn. Because if you're not familiar with his rivalry, Finland and, and Sweden, um, boy, are they at each other. And we've uh, Patrick Liney has already talked shit about the Swedes on the team. The Swedes have fired back, referring to um, Patrick Patrick Liney and all Finns as little brother. 
So we've got a bit of a Scandinavian uh, skirmish, if you will. Um, Rick B says, given all of the D coming, what happens with Bean? Well, Bean's got a contract this year and next. Um, probably not safe to look too far beyond that. I think you could say the same for Bokefest. Something's got to give here. What happens to Peak? I mean, if we're saying that Kuhlemans, Matichuk, and Yurichek are all going to have spots here in a few years, well, some of these guys aren't going to have spots then. What do you do with Blankenberg, who's a young defenseman on the rise? I think we can say Wierenski's safe. Pretty pretty easy pick there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, the hope for the Blue Jackets is that, that these guys knock the door down, much like Chinikov did this year. Uh, one thing I've learned from covering sports low these many years, I, I think a lot of players, young players especially, they allow themselves to believe that, that the opportunity will be theirs if they wait their turn, that eventually it will come to them. And the, the more you watch this from afar and just sort of pay attention to it, it's not how it works at all. And as cold as it sounds, you have to literally take somebody's job. Uh, nobody opens the door for you. You have got to knock the door down all by yourself and take it. Uh, they don't just they don't just end up uh, giving you the opportunity because you've waited your turn. And I, you know, Bemstrom's now on the outs. He can get himself back in. But it's a perfect example. Guys get squeezed by other guys who are who are coming in hot, and that was Chinikov this year. Uh, but it's always somebody, it, and it, that's the tough thing about pro sports is you can never really be safe and comfortable. The superstars are that for a reason. Everybody else has to survive battles every damn year. Um, Mark R says pronouncing the new enforcer's name. Uh, well, that is Matthew. Olivier, not too bad. Um, Rick B, will Gavi resign? Boy, I wish I knew. He doesn't want to talk about it. Um, the Blue Jackets say that they've had conversation that hasn't gone anywhere. So, yeah. Uh, they also say they're not just going to let him walk. So let's see how this season goes. If Gavi doesn't sign an extension or if they can't even come close to terms and the Blue Jackets are – are not in a playoff spot. I think you assume both he and Nyquist would be on the move as guys with UFAs. But I, I sure, I sure look at Gavrikov as a guy I would like to keep. And I think the Blue Jackets um, do it the same way. David S says, I hope every game goes to three on three. <laughs> now, damn it, David, that's late. And that's a lot of deadline. I don't even have deadlines anymore, so I shouldn't complain. That's a lot of late nights at the rink though. Um, Orensky, Johnny Gaudreau, line A. It's a pretty good three-pack, isn't it? The great thing about the Blue Jackets this year is to look at their next group. That's not bad either. Um, that's one of the things that's going to be really exciting this year is to see um, if, if they can finally have a power play um, that is effective, dangerous. And it's all there. It's all possible. They've got some real talent on the second unit now. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau comes into town and slots everything down. So, um, all right. Well, folks, listen, thanks for weighing in. Really appreciate the questions. We'll do this uh, again. We're going to do this weekly. In fact, I've thought about it. I'm curious. Send me, drop me a line on Twitter 
uh, a ports line if 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 you if you do such a thing. Um, thought about having these conversations on the way home from the rink, and maybe so right after games, having a just a 15 20 minute conversation about the game that we both just witnessed. Tell me if you're up for that. If you think that would be something you'd be you'd be into. Um, curious to see where that goes, and we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll be doing these more often. Sorry about the delay to the start of the season, but uh, let's have some fun. Should be a fun year. Thanks for all the questions, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.